You're listening to The Bunker New York, live on Red Bull Radio. Hello, you're listening to The Bunker New York on Red Bull Radio. We are live in Detroit all week, every night at 7 p.m. Today, my very special guest is John Beltran, who's a techno and ambient music legend, really, from Michigan. And tomorrow we're going to have Marcellus Pittman and then wrap things up on Friday with Eris Drew. And uh, I should also mention that Derek May is going to be on the Interdimensional Transmissions show next. So uh, big day here at Red Bull Radio. Um, thanks a lot for joining us, John. Oh, thanks for having me. Yeah. Yeah. yeah great to have you here. Mm-hmm. Um, so just some basic biographical stuff. Have you, you've lived in, we were talking a little before the show, you're, you're from Michigan. You've been here pretty much your whole life. Yeah. From Lansing, Michigan, born and raised, live in Ann Arbor now, but I've lived in, uh, Los Angeles and Miami and Fort Myers, Florida, uh, back in the early 2000s. Right. So where did the connection to Detroit techno start? Was this something that was happening at all in Lansing when you were growing up? Or did you come into the city to experience it or just through records or how? Yeah, how did this no, it was happen? records to start with. Um, Derek and all those guys who were playing down here uh, at the UN and Shelter and all these, all the uh, clubs, uh, all the famous clubs. And he used to come down with my buddies and... Yeah, we, uh, it was, uh, yeah, it took me over. That was it. That's all I need, needed to hear. Right. But you've never, you've never lived in Detroit no. proper. No, no. Never felt any pool to be mm. here? Yeah, I have. But, you know, it was just easy, easy living in Lansing. Right. <laughs> you know, and no traffic. <laughs> mm-hmm. And when I did like you, it. when did you start, um, actually taking it to the level of producing your own music or, DJing and just being mm-hmm. more active in the music world. Yeah, well, you know, was frequenting the uh, the clubs in the late uh, late uh, '80s, early '90s, and uh, um, got my first keyboard when I was, I mean, early '20s, and uh, uh, and a computer, a Hyundai computer, right. and, <laughs> and uh, IBM compatible, and um, yeah, started making new age. It was kind of a, um, a soulful new age, I'd call it. Uh, not really ambient as we know it, um, but yeah, I was into Kataro and Enya, right. and uh, but I was also into Larry Hurd and Derek May. So right, you know, well, mix, I think mix it up, and there it is. Yeah, you've brought that all together in a really <laughs> interesting way. Was um, were you exposed to the new age stuff at a young age? No, I mean it was it kind of came and <laughs> came and went, right? So yeah. in high school, I was into the the typical stuff, Depeche Mode and, and New Order, and I was big into alternative rock and the Cure and the obvious stuff. And um, yeah, when but I, when I heard the uh, the Detroit uh, uh, soulful machine music was a whole new deal. Yeah, it was different than craft work. It was different than. Then um, Africa Bombada was different. It was just different, and it yeah. was it. You know, I could go on about it, but you know, Derek will go into that later, won't he? <laughs> <laughs> I would imagine he probably will. Um, you have a very deep discography, I would say, for an electronic musician. Mm-hmm. I mean, I was looking on Discogs today, and you've got twelve albums and almost thirty EPs under your own name. Mm-hmm. Um, 
Do you feel like you produce music at a fast pace or it's more laid back and just a lot of it ends up getting released? Or Yeah, it's more that. There's yeah. not a lot laying around. Um, I have labels coming to me all the time wanting to, you know, release unreleased music. And I just tell them I don't have, you know, I'll do something new. Right. And when it comes, I get to it. I'm, um, I'm always pretty inspired in, in the genre, in my in my sound you know if i have to do like brazilian music all of a sudden it's going to take a little work and a little to get back into it if i'm doing me you know it's you know i'm doing me so it's kind of it's easy right you yeah know, i've been doing it for years so and i pretty much know what i want to do right when uh somebody you know solicits solicits uh music from me i know right where i want to go so is it based on like the kind of because you've released so many different kinds of music? Is mm. it based like each project based on the label that's approaching you, or it's something you yeah, already had well, in mind you wanted sure, to do? Sure, Magic Wire hit me up, and uh, you know that's you know Lone's label. So you know those kids, they love the uh, um, you know the kind of brokeny uh, '90s stuff. You know, I, Lone does that kind of. Yeah. You know, the big stabs, the big kind of, you know, that 90s feeling, you know, feel good stuff. So that was pretty easy. So, um, so do people come to you like maybe referencing a certain record yes, from your, exactly. that they love? Yeah. And like, do you have anything like this sitting around? Sure. And you're, you say, sure. Yeah. No, but I can yeah, exactly. make it. Yep. Yep. Um, and do you work from home? Is that where your yep, studio yep. is? Yeah, you know, um, when I lived in Lansing and I was with uh, my son's uh, mother, we had a home and I had a, you know, just blown out studio vocal room full on desk and everything and uh you know i've moved i've moved to my son goes to school in plymouth now his mother lives there and and married so i had to move closer to him and i moved to ann arbor it's not really that close it's actually further than i thought but i look to move closer to him now but i'm kind of just apartment to condo to jumping and probably settled i'll probably settle down in plymouth they're close to it Right. So you just move your you're moving your studio from I'm following apartment. where yeah where the kids going right now and right. We're, all, we're all we're doing some great co-parenting and I'm doing what I can to be close to him so and um, ultimately I will get back to to answer your question you know having a pretty nice studio in the next couple of years back right. to where I need to be yeah. so do you still have a bunch of gear in boxes somewhere does that mean or are you yeah still yeah using? well my my 24 channel mixing desk is at my parents under my dad's pool table. <laughs> yeah. Um, I think his cat walks around it. No, I, um, and I have a couple keyboards in storage and, and, and things like, and mics and all that stuff. So right. yeah, soundproofing. Right. Mm-hmm. And in your past, you have some like really strong connections to Detroit, like Carl Craig's retroactive label. Mm-hmm. And you've done stuff with Derek May, mm-hmm. kind of all of the early legends. How just interesting, how some of those connections happened early on, how they you happened. made that happen as just like a guy from Lansing. Did you just approach them with music? Yeah, or? handed them music. Yeah. Handed, uh, well, sh- uh, Shake, uh, Anthony Shake uh, took my first single. Um, I gave it to him at uh, one of the record stores, and he gave it to Carl. And Carl wanted it right out, right away. The next song Carl took, he heard it over the phone and said, I want it. And wow. those were the days where you just, you know, we played everything over the phone, right? Yeah, I remember um, I remember ordering some records that way where you would call a record store and they'd just be holding the phone up to the yeah, earphones. you could hear clearly then with the landlines, right? Yeah. So 
Yeah, that was big for Carl to be my, you know, Carl basically got me started. He, he and Shake, basically. So, yeah, and that, and then onward, I met Derek years later at Wax Fruit and became cool with him. And, yeah, so, and plan on working with Kevin soon, actually. Yeah. Uh, Sanderson. So it sounds like it all happened kind of quite naturally. Naturally, and the way it kind of should, and the way you you know that's you know it was cool. Just meeting, you know, I was a little intimidated. I just walked up to Derek, handed him a tape, and got the hell out of his way. You know, right. and never even had met Carl until later after we'd even signed the contracts. So right, it was really cool, organic, and you know, as a kid, uh, you know, I liked their music, and you know, they were kind of my heroes at the time. So it was, uh, yeah, it was a pretty special time for me. Do you feel like there were a lot? fewer people making music back then and maybe that made things a little more accessible in a way because now um well everybody's making music which is great in a way but as a label owner you just get flooded with so many random people you don't know trying to pass you music and get on your label and i'm sure i mean i wasn't doing this back in the early 90s so i'm curious how different that was i'm guessing it was very different yeah you know um I, it still was, you know, the it was really just about being at these clubs. and um, <laughs> You were just around. You were a part of the scene. Yeah, and the fact that I made music and put it on a cassette is, you know, kind of second to really these parties. It really yeah. was. I mean, for me, yes. Ultimately, it, you know, that's what got me started. But I think I would have gotten started somewhere else. I'm just really appreciated, you know, appreciate uh, Carl and all these guys because they've shown me nothing but love. There's never been any sort of issues with these guys it's just really cool because i'm kind of uh, not in the scene you know so i'm this lansing guy yeah but i was doing Derek may kind of you know stuff man that's yeah totally i mean i was doing the strings and the and the build-ups the hi-hats and that's i mean i'm just doing like detroit you yeah know, no it's it's like the detroit that's sounds. what i was doing and but i was in lansing you know yeah i just took all their energy and took it home yeah um so speaking about not feeling like maybe totally part of the scene, mm-hmm. I've noticed you don't seem to tour, not that you don't tour, but you don't tour very heavily mm-hmm. and wondering if there's a reason for that. Like if you, if you're not trying to tour or you don't like touring. I take the gigs yeah, um, when they come, but I'm not, uh, I don't have a booking agent. Um, not really looking for one. Have you ever had one? Um, no, no. Wow. No. So... Um, like, you know, we had a conversation out there in the other room and I, you know, I just always, uh, just like my free time space and yeah, yeah. I don't really, I do it when I want to kind yeah. of thing, you know, you've got a beautiful son here, oh, you spend time with him. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> That's where it's at for me. So, um, and also just briefly wanted to talk about your, I know you've had some music on television and film is that something you're actively working on because it seems like a really at least to me the way i hear your music it seems like a really natural outlet yep. where the stuff you're making would fit licensing really well mm-hmm. without any compromise really yeah you know i would think uh, my stuff i have so much stuff out there i would think i have would have more music licensed um I've had, I've worked for Harpo Studios, Oprah. I've done music for her show. I've had music licensed to HBO, HBO shows and, and films as well. Um, but yeah, you know, it's um, uh, always kind of, you know, I guess you have to have an agent there too. I, you know, know it somebody. Helps. Okay? It, help, it helps. There's but people that think, 
you know, they would, you know, there's so much of my stuff that a director somewhere would have jumped on that. On that, but luckily, I did have a director contact me via SoundCloud, and I work with him now. He's my, you know, I'm really excited. I'm going to be uh, scoring his feature, and um, we're working on a side, an independent thing as well. On the side, too. So. Very cool. Yeah. And I noticed you recently started uh, releasing some EPs on your own mm-hmm. band camp mm-hmm. and was wondering, like, how that went for you and what was the reason for releasing things on your own versus going straight to a label? Yeah, well, the band camp thing started in um, in the fall, in autumn, and it was uh, um, an idea I had to do what's called a season series, which is doing music like... Right off the bat, getting it out right away, as fast as I can, as real time yeah. as possible, without, you know, uh, labeled promo, waiting for uh, test pressings. No, it's terrible. All this stuff, right? Yeah. <laughs> so, I mean, because then the music kind of, even for an artist, the music just kind of becomes stale. By the time it comes out, I don't want to talk about it anymore. Yeah. And so, it's really cool. This, I'm doing this season series. I've done autumn, winter, and spring on my band camp, and... Um, uh, it's not about the money or any trying to or sales or anything. I just want to do something I'm connecting with the uh, with the um with my listeners. Yeah, you know, something very immediate. Right, immediate. And uh yeah, have summer to go and we're gonna do a box set on Delson Records. Cool. All all four seasons and great artwork um done by my friend Chin and yeah. Yeah, so we're excited about that one. Cool. Well, before we have you play some music, are there any mm-hmm. other upcoming projects or releases that you're excited about that you want to mention? Yeah, no, I've done so much this year. <laughs> I've had um, my Placid Angles came out in April and have another one on Blue Arts out of Japan called Hollow Androiden. And um, kind of a craft work meets um, Tangerine Dream 80s synth record that I gave you. I gave. Oh, you yeah, 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 yeah. I'm excited to listen to that. And yeah, why yeah. Do you, I, the Placid Angles is something mm-hmm. that's an, like an old alias that you brought mm-hmm. back after mm-hmm. a long time, right? Mm hmm. Um, yeah, well, yeah, my first, I've only done one album before that, and it was came out in 98. Right, so, so a really long time. Yeah, yeah. Um, was so, that just because the label, was that again like a label referencing an old... Magic Wire came at me pretty hard, <laughs> and they were like, we want this. And they had so much energy and inspired me, I got right to work on it, and it all just clicked, and it was what they wanted, and they're so happy. And I, it's one of the, the records that I've felt, I feel so good that I made the label that happy. Those kids, they just wanted this, and yeah, yeah, and it's, they it's put really, so much effort into it. They really did. It's really cool that that's working so well for you. People mm-hmm. discovering your old music and yeah. commissioning you to do new stuff mm-hmm. or reissues. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm really happy that's working out for you. Yeah, thank you. Um, and with that, uh, you're going to play us some music. Are you going to play your own tunes, I, or what are you going to do here? Yeah, I'll play um, a lot of stuff that I like that I'm into right now, as well as some of my stuff. Cool. Well, we've got about 45 minutes before we turn things over to IT and Derek May. So we're going to get into the mix with John Beltran. You're listening to The Bunker New York on Red Bull Radio, live from Detroit.
came to take a look at what's inside. What a day to make a step towards your new life. What a day for bouncing back into your dreams. What a day, what a day to
Hello, you're listening to The Bunker New York here on Red Bull Radio, live from Detroit. We've been in the mix with John Beltran. Thanks a lot for listening and stay tuned because coming up next is the Interdimensional Transmissions show today with special guest Derek May. We'll, we're here all week. We'll be back tomorrow at 7 p.m. with Marcellus Pittman and then closing out the week with Eris Drew on Friday. So keep listening for all of that. You're listening to The Bunker New York on Red Bull Radio. Mm-hmm.